Good morning. Wiped out. Stunning new images revealing Ida's catastrophic damage across Louisiana. This is 10 times worse than what we lived through for Katrina. Every single building in one community damaged or destroyed. Search teams still unable to reach the stranded three days later. This is the storm's threat now sweeps up the East Coast. 62 million people set to face heavy rain from North Carolina up to Maine. A rare tornado watch issued in the nation's capital overnight. We've got everything you need to know. State of emergency, California's massive Caldor fire moving closer to Lake Tahoe. Tens of thousands forced to evacuate. It's absolutely devastating. Firefighters racing to save the popular resort town as flames and smoke cast an eerie orange haze over parts of the West. A live report straight ahead. Defending the departure, a defiant President Biden tells the country he had no choice but to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan. I was not going to extend this forever war. And I was not extending a forever exit. Calling the emergency evacuations an extraordinary success, despite the chaos, the deaths of U.S. forces, and dozens of Americans left behind. One lawmaker and former Marine officer pushing back. This is a fiasco and a humiliating failure. While in Afghanistan, the Taliban celebrates the U.S. withdrawal on the runways of the Kabul airport. Breaking overnight, a military helicopter crashes off the California coast. One crew member pulled to safety, five others unaccounted for as the Navy and Coast Guard launch a frantic search and rescue mission. We'll have the very latest. Controversial law, one of the nation's strictest abortion bans ever, takes effect in Texas overnight. What that could mean for fights ahead in other states, and could its fate ultimately be decided by the Supreme Court? All that plus cut over COVID? Former NFL MVP Cam Newton released by the New England Patriots. The stunning move that caught fans by surprise, and the growing question, was it tied to his vaccination status? And to the rescue, shelters nationwide filling up with pets saved from the storm inside the remarkable effort to give them a new leash on life. Today, Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cutby. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hey guys, welcome to today. It's Wednesday morning. It is a new month, September 1st. So happy you're joining us. Uh, Savannah's enjoying some time off. Well, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome <laughs> to September. We've got a lot of news breaking overnight to cover, including that search and rescue operation after a Navy helicopter crashed into the sea off the coast of San Diego. We'll have the very latest on that. Another major story is unfolding about 600 miles to the north around the popular vacation destination of Lake Tahoe. Crews are battling that ferocious wildfire, bracing for another day of strong winds and dry conditions. Those flames expected to spread even farther. Steve Patterson, he's reporting live right there from the front lines. And from those fires to flooding concerns here in the east, heavy rain from the remnants of Ida set to wreak havoc, new havoc, for days to come up and down the East Coast. Yeah, in the meantime, we are getting an eye-opening look at the damage left behind in Louisiana. Rescues at this hour still ongoing. And now there's a new problem facing the nearly 1 million people without power, 
blistering heat in the wake of the storm. Dylan is standing by with the latest on the forecast. But first, NBC Sam Brock, he's on the ground in hard hit Laplace, Louisiana. Hey, Sam, good morning. Huda and Craig, good morning. Ida's grip on Louisiana continues to strengthen. You see behind me shredded power poles and all of these lines of cars. These folks were out at the crack of dawn just to try to get some gas. In this one parish alone where I'm standing, there were some 800 rescues, according to the sheriff. And now Ida is moving north and east after it killed two people in Alabama. The death toll now at six. Millions of Americans are bracing for what remains of Ida as the storm streaks up the East Coast, set to affect more than 60 million with dangerous conditions expected in multiple states from tornadoes to flood warnings. Early assessments out of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana are sobering. Officials say the Grand Isle Barrier Island is uninhabitable with 100% of structures damaged and four in 10 destroyed. This is 10 times worse than what we lived through for Katrina. The view from above, just one lens spotlighting Louisiana underwater. Satellite imagery from Maxar shows striking before and after images. Parts of the state transforming from green to blue. We don't have any levee system here. We have a railroad track and that's about it. The community of Cambridge, even now, has high water vehicles moving in and out, where residents like Damien Chachirsky have been marooned. How many people do you think were rescued here from your observation? My observation, at least 300. 300? Yeah. In this community? Uh, I believe so. Ida's overall death toll is almost certain to rise. In Virginia, four people are missing this morning after heavy flooding and landslides in the small town of Hurley. And in Slidell, Louisiana, an update on that man bitten by an alligator and reported missing, the sheriff sang in part. All accounts at this point are leading to a terrible tragedy that his wife had to witness. They are Katrina survivors who moved here afterwards, survived Ida, then this. She's in it. In the midst of tragedy, more heroic rescues are coming to light. Grab on my shoulder. A Mississippi police officer rescuing several people trapped in a submerged car. The frightened occupants pulled the safety from the driver's side window. Yeah, I'm damn near homeless right now. Even those who planned for flooding, like Michael Lathers of Laplace, are stunned. Everything fell. That holes in my roof. The kitchen destroyed. Lathers blames his community's catastrophe on the multi-billion dollar levee system protecting neighboring New Orleans. When I bought this house, I didn't need flood insurance. And after Katrina, they said we needed flood insurance. Why? Those walls in New Orleans, the water pushed back in the lake. When it pushes back, this is what you get. Uh, Sam, there's also, a, of course, another big issue for folks in New Orleans. They're in the dark. They, I was hearing the mayor say that power may be restored. What is the time frame? Hoda, New Orleans mayor says they've made significant progress. And in fact, by the end of today, you might see more power on. Entergy tweeting out overnight that the first light shown in New Orleans East, but this is a marathon. Sweltering conditions already this morning in New Orleans means there is deep concern about heat-related illness. We know, Hoda, that Tulane had already evacuated its students out to Houston. There is still talk on the, on the table right now about potentially more evacuations in the city of New Orleans. This, as Entergy says, it has laid out two possibilities for moving forward. One is to restore those critical transmission lines. The other is to create a grid island for just the greater New Orleans area to try to get everybody back up and running. 
That's the plan right now they're pursuing. Hold it back to you. All right, Sam Brock for us there in hard hit Laplace. Sam, thank you. All right, that blistering late summer heat, one of the major problems down there in the mm -hmm. Gulf. Ida's remnants making her mm -hmm. way to the northeast now. Dylan is in for Al. She's tracking the storm. Dylan, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Yeah, it could feel like 105 degrees down in the New Orleans area today. So without air conditioning, that is just so brutally uncomfortable. Now the rain is making its way into the mid-Atlantic. Look, it back through West Virginia, through Ohio, lots of heavy rain through Pennsylvania, even into New Jersey right now. The storm is still a tropical depression. It's moving northeast at 24 miles per hour. It still has winds at 30 miles per hour. So it's going to be a gusty, rainy day across the northeast. Now, we have this warm front that's going to come in first. So we're starting off the day with some rain. Then it'll look like we're going to get some breaks uh, right along the coast. But then we're going to see these pop-up thunderstorms. And those could be severe at times. And then the bulk of the rain moves through overnight and then crosses New England as we go into early Thursday morning. We could see perhaps uh, those strong gusty winds, but also uh, the potential for some isolated tornadoes in this area, especially through southern New Jersey into D.C. and into Maryland, too. As for rain, we could see a widespread five to eight inches of rain. And keep in mind, the ground is saturated. It has been a very wet summer, so this could lead to flash flooding issues through the mid-Atlantic and into the northeast as well. Hoda. All right, Dylan, uh, thank you. Meantime, high winds out west in northern California are complicating the battle against an unprecedented wildfire pushing closer to popular resorts around Lake Tahoe. Tens of thousands already forced to flee as crews race to save lives and homes. NBC's Steve Patterson is right there on the ground for us. Hey, Steve, good morning. How did the situation so dire now that officials have moved the emergency operation from across state lines into Nevada, meanwhile keeping a core of firefighters doing all they can to protect homes? This morning, firefighters in South Lake Tahoe are the last line of defense between the massive Caldor fire and thousands of homes. Fire has been very volatile. Every time we think we're getting a foothold and getting some containment lines put in, it shows us that it's going to do what it wants. The fire's massive smoke spreading into neighboring states as it threatens Lake Tahoe. A summer paradise known for its turquoise waters now shrouded in smoke and flame. I'm wondering if I'm going to have a home to come, you know, back to. The inferno quickly closing in on the resort town. Homes are threatened and our community is threatened, and I never thought that that was possible. Hundreds of structures already destroyed, more than 30,000 others now under threat, with more than 50,000 residents under mandatory evacuation. When you evacuate, you realize how many things you left behind, uh, but it's too late. You evacuate, you can't get back in. Ahead of a typically busy Labor Day weekend, residents and visitors are instead fleeing. It's heartbreaking. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. Just lots of family and years of memories, and it just, it's absolutely devastating. Others choosing to stay behind for now. As long as the smoke isn't so bad and the flames aren't real close, we're gonna stick it out, you know? But if not, we'll, uh, we'll hightail it out. Burning nearly 200,000 acres, massive smoke plumes can be seen from miles away. On the ground, red-hot flames devouring dry brush and tall trees. These evacuees are getting ready to move yet again. This center, 40 miles from South Lake Tahoe, is now sending Californians seeking shelter another 50 miles away to Reno, Nevada. And this moving kicks the daylights out of me. It's tough. It's very tough, emotional. It's a battle against the blaze, with relief hard to see amid the heavy haze. It's erratic. This fire continues to grow. We continue to fight, but this community is still at risk very much so. 
and crews are going to have to do all they can to get as much stamina as possible with heavy winds moving in and temperatures increasing and red flag warnings now extending through the night. This is the most critical point of the firefight. Yeah, back heroic to efforts by those firefighters, Steve. Wow. Thank you very much. And now to the end of America's 20-year war in Afghanistan. President Biden used his first address since the last plane left Kabul to defend the withdrawal, labeling it an extraordinary success. But with dozens of Americans still in Afghanistan, the president facing new criticism on Capitol Hill. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander joins us with the very latest. Peter, good morning. Craig, good morning to you. President Biden argued that leaving by August 31st was not due to an arbitrary deadline. He says it was due to an effort to try to save American lives. Still, the president is facing that criticism for up to 200 Americans still in the country, promising to bring them home. The president saying that he's putting diplomacy over deployments. Marking the end of America's longest war, President Biden defending the U.S.'s chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. I was not going to extend this forever war. And I was not extending a forever exit. The commander-in-chief touting the massive airlift, safely evacuating more than 124,000 people from Kabul. In Afghanistan, the Taliban declaring victory. Combing through the aircraft the U.S. left behind at Kabul airport. Elsewhere, parading coffins draped with U.S. and NATO flags. The likelihood is, is that the Taliban will provide a safe haven for terrorists uh, in Afghanistan, which means that this war is not over. Meanwhile, up to 200 Americans are still stranded in the country, the president facing bipartisan criticism. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. The White House says 98% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to. Still, it falls short of this promise the president made last month. So if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Following the deaths of 13 U.S. service members last week, Republicans argue the president's actions have made the U.S. less safe. Far from a success, this is a fiasco and a humiliating failure. The president delivering this stern warning days after the U.S. says it foiled another ISIS-K attack on the airport. To ISIS-K, we are not done with you yet. So, Peter, with regards to the Americans who are still there, how exactly does the White House plan on, on getting the remaining U.S. citizens out of Afghanistan now that all of, the, all of our troops are out? Yeah, Craig, President Biden says that the Taliban has made public commitments to allow those Americans to leave and that the U.S. plans to hold them to it, along with dozens of other countries in the international community. And the White House insists that it has economic leverage over the Taliban as well. Still, critics say without U.S. troops on the ground there, it's relying on a diplomatic effort with an American adversary. Craig. Our chief White House correspondent, Peter Alexander, for us this morning. Peter, thank you. We have a lot more to get to. Tom joins the table, growing surge in COVID. That's right. A lot of headlines this morning. Good morning. From coast to coast, hospitals are being pushed to the brink, with the U.S. now averaging nearly 130,000 new patients every day, higher than any point since last winter. And now the federal government is sending 700 medical personnel to help in overwhelmed states. Some of the hardest-hit areas, rural communities. NBC's Aaron McLaughlin joins us from Placerville, California, just outside Sacramento. Aaron, good morning. 
Good morning, Tom. 60 million Americans live in small rural communities such as this one with vaccination rates well below the national average. For example, in this community, half the population is unvaccinated, which is resulting in a record number of hospitalizations at the hospital behind me. Meanwhile, miles away burns the ferocious Caldor fire. This community is on edge with both the fires and the virus spiraling out of control. This morning, the Delta variant pushing hospitals closer to crisis. ICUs in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Texas now at 90% capacity or more. <laughs> Nearly a quarter of COVID cases reported last week were children. The push to get them vaccinated more urgent than ever. Pfizer telling NBC News its vaccine data for 5 to 11-year-olds will be ready this month, and emergency use authorization could come as soon as Thanksgiving. This is the pandemic hits rural communities the hardest. Here at Marshall Hospital outside Sacramento, physician assistant Ariana Campbell faces a record surge of COVID patients, many struggling to breathe. Three patients have arrived within the span of 15 minutes. Yes. And you're already out of beds. Yes. The lives she's trying to save, often those of her own friends and neighbors, like Antoinette Sims. She's had severe symptoms for six weeks, so bad she can't work. Her two sons had COVID and her best friend died from it, yet she still refuses to get the vaccine. I just want to be sure, what if I am that small, minute number that actually dies from it? There's... What do you tell someone like Antoinette? She's your friend. It, I mean, I've lost sleep over that. And so I'm, I am trying to help folks trust in medicine. After weeks of 14-hour shifts, Ariana says she's terrified of getting infected herself and giving it to her husband and kids. I don't know if I could forgive myself if I brought home COVID and they were suffering. Just eight miles from the hospital burns the ferocious Caldor fire. These dual disasters leaving some hospital staff devastated, like orderly Julie King. She lost her home to the fires last week. Still, she's showing up for work, cleaning the rooms of critically ill COVID patients. It's not all about just me. It's the patients, the patients' families. And sometimes you just have to set that aside and do what you do. The Caldor fire is now driving thousands into evacuation shelters where there have been a growing number of COVID outbreaks. Ariana is actually part of a medical task force that goes into those shelters to assess patients for COVID symptoms. Just another example of how the nation's physician assistants are being stretched to their absolute limits, really being seen as the unsung heroes of this pandemic. Tom? That they are. All right, Aaron, thank you. Guys, so many areas of the country dealing with that extreme weather mm -hmm. and the pandemic at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Also this morning, the search on for five service members after a Navy helicopter crashed into the ocean. The crash happened on Tuesday, about 70 miles off the coast of San Diego. The helicopter from the USS Abraham Lincoln was conducting routine flight operations when it went down. There were six crew members on board. One person was rescued. The Coast Guard and Navy are looking for the five service members who are still missing. Abortion providers in Texas have started turning away patients as the state's new abortion law took effect at midnight. It bans abortions at six weeks into pregnancy, which covers nearly all the procedures typically performed in the state. Planned Parenthood in Texas has stopped scheduling appointments. The new Texas law does not allow state officials to enforce the ban. Instead, it lets private citizens sue anyone who helped a woman violate the law for up to $10,000. 
The Supreme Court did not act on an emergency request by abortion rights groups to block the law, but it is expected to eventually go before the full court. We've got the wildfires mm -hmm. out west. We've got Ida making her way up the east coast. Let's go back to Dylan now mm -hmm. for more on today's weather. Dylan, what are we looking at? Well, there certainly is a lot going on. Of course, the flooding rain in the northeast will be the big story for today. We also have flood watches in the southwest where we could see some of those thunderstorms, and it is extremely brutally hot down along the Gulf Coast. It'll feel like it's well over 100 degrees. And that's your latest forecast. Mm -hmm. Back over to you guys. All right, Dylan, thank you. When we come back, double jeopardy for ousted host Mike Richards now. Out as the executive producer as well. We'll have the reaction and what's next for the iconic quiz show. Plus, a stunning move in the NFL. Star quarterback Cam Newton released by the Patriots. So here's a question. Was there a connection to his vaccination status? And how should the league and other pro sports handle players and the shot? We're going to have that and more. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed I'm back now at 7 30 on this wednesday morning and check this out you are looking at Aww. the newest residents <laughs> of an animal shelter there in florida and these are, are pets that were rescued from Louisiana, left behind <laughs> as a result of Hurricane Ida. These pets filling up shelters all over the country, and there are some ways that you can help them. Carrie Sanders is going to have that story just ahead. Well, those pets want out of that pen. They want yes. to yeah, free. Yeah, they look like they're ready to play. Yes. All right, guys, let's get a check of your 7:30 headlines. USA Gymnastics has reached an agreement on a proposed $425 million settlement for hundreds of women who say they were sexually abused by former team doctor Larry Nasser. The proposal is part of a reorganization plan that would allow USA Gymnastics to emerge from bankruptcy. It still needs to be approved by the survivors and a vote scheduled for later this year. In 2017, Nasser pleaded guilty to sexually abusing 10 minors. He is serving up to 175 years in prison. Two workers were hurt when a crane crashed down on a home in Washington State Tuesday. The crane was being used in a tree removal operation when it apparently flipped over, crashing through a house near Seattle. Thankfully, the people inside the home were not hurt. The two workers, though, did sustain some minor injuries, but they are expected to be okay. Walmart plans to hire 20,000 workers and raise wages as it ramps up for the holiday season. The full and part-time jobs will be hired at distribution and fulfillment centers across the country. The average wage for the supply chain employees will be just over $20 an hour. And get this, they're permanent positions, not seasonal. The hiring spree comes as companies battle fierce competition for workers during this pandemic.
Okay, now to yet another headline, making shakeup, another one at Jeopardy. Yeah, that's right. Just three weeks after being named the new host, not only is Mike Richards no longer the face of the popular quiz show, he's also been removed as executive producer. Wow. NBC News Now anchor Joe Fryer joins us with more on the move and, and what's next for Jeopardy as yeah. well. Yeah, good morning. You know, what was supposed to be a smooth transition to a new host after the legendary Alex Trebek passed away has turned into a fiasco. Instead of celebrating a new era and a new host, it's double Jeopardy for Mike Richards. Now fans and critics are asking, how did we end up here? This morning, for a show built around questions, Jeopardy's future may be the hardest one of all. A show once known for its no-frills, soothing consistency, it's been dogged by controversy and drama as it searched for a new host, now an executive producer. Mike Richards is now out of that role less than two weeks after stepping down as the new Jeopardy host. Welcome to Jeopardy. Sony Pictures Television on Tuesday removed Richards entirely from both Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, writing in part, we had hoped that when Mike stepped down from the host position at Jeopardy, it would have minimized the disruption and internal difficulties we have all experienced these last few weeks. That clearly has not happened. The announcement ends the saga of controversy around Richards, but still leaves Jeopardy without a permanent public face. After months of celebrity guest hosts, Richards was announced as the permanent successor to famed host Alex Trebek. We were looking for the Poe. Almost immediately, Richards and Jeopardy found themselves embroiled in a string of controversies, culminating with a bombshell report by The Ringer that revealed a series of disparaging remarks Richards made on a podcast in 2013 and 14 about people with mental disabilities, Jewish people, sexist jokes about women's bodies. One of the game's most dominant players, James Holzhauer, tweeting, Do I think Mike Richards' podcast comments were appropriate for polite society? No. But did he deserve the benefit of the doubt for the job he did running Jeopardy? Also no. I mean, this is a show that when you watch it, you talk back to your television because you're answering the questions as if you're on the show. So you really want the people to like the host. Mayim Bialik is expected to remain the host of primetime Jeopardy and will be the first guest host in place of Richards. Sony says it will resume the search for Trebek's replacement. Our final category today is Shakespeare's plays. It's unclear if that search will include fan favorite LeVar Burton. Sony says more guest hosts will be announced. The future of the show remains an open question. We reached out to Mike Richards for comment, but did not get a response. He's previously said that there is no excuse, of course, for the comments I made on that podcast, and I am deeply sorry. Boy, LeVar Burton, LeVar Burton is really a fan favorite. I yeah. keep hearing his name pop up. Um, this show actually makes a lot of money, so there's also a lot at stake financially. Yeah, the worry is, of course, the ratings. This is a show that yeah. still gets about 10 million viewers a night. I saw one report that says, like, over a third of people watch it at least three times a week. That's a very loyal audience, yeah. so you don't want to do anything to shake that. And keep in mind, when the show comes back, which is slated to happen in less than two weeks, yeah. you're going to see five episodes with Mike Richards. They, he recorded five episodes, oh. and those still have to air. Because the contestants... Oh, wow. was on a winning streak, well, yeah. so they got to they gotta do that to be fair to the contestants. This has been quite the debacle okay. from the beginning. Yeah. Wow. Just a debacle. More to come. Uh, Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Uh, all right, up next was a high-profile NFL star cut by his team because of his vaccination status. The big question being asked by a lot of football fans this morning and an inside look at how COVID protocols in professional sports are impacting their seasons. That's coming up right after this. Back at 739 now with In-Depth today this morning. 
professional sports and the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while the NFL doesn't have a mandate, after yesterday's roster cuts, new questions are swirling around how teams should handle players who either don't get the shot or don't share their status. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here with the very latest. Hey, Steph, morning. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, hopes that the NFL could totally get back to a normal season this fall have been dashed by the Delta variant. But this season, players are facing COVID protocols that depend on their vaccination status. It's a case of the haves and the have-nots, and the league is already feeling the impact. For months, Cam Newton has been vying to be the New England Patriots' starting quarterback. But now, not only is he not the starter, the former league MVP is off the team. The surprise announcement comes just days after Newton missed practices because of COVID protocols. The team called it a misunderstanding about tests conducted away from NFL facilities. And while rookie QB Mac Jones looks really good, many NFL insiders are speculating Newton may have been released at least partly because of his vaccination status. Do you think not being vaccinated played any role in, in Cam Newton being released by the Patriots? I know the Patriots want their players to be vaccinated, period. It's not clear whether Newton is vaccinated. This is how he responded last month when asked. I think it's too personal for each and every person to kind of discuss it. Um, and I'll just keep it at that. The NFL says 92% of its players are vaccinated, but the issue is clearly on coaches' minds. Jaguars coach Urban Meyer saying Tuesday it is a factor in roster cuts. Can I say that that was a decision maker was certainly in consideration. For players who aren't vaccinated, there are different rules in the NFL. Among them, unvaccinated players can't use saunas and steam rooms or eat in the team's cafeteria. Vaccinated players can. But perhaps most disruptive, unvaccinated players are tested daily. And if they come in close contact with COVID, they are out for five days, whether they test positive or not. Vaccinated players get tested once a week and are out only if they are positive. A lot of coaches have tried to present this to players as getting vaccinated is a competitive advantage for a team. The pressure to get vaccinated isn't just in the NFL. The NBA says it also has a vaccination rate of 90%, but has stopped short of a mandate for players. And there is COVID confusion in tennis, too. Fans at the U.S. Open, which kicked off this week, have to be vaccinated. But the players do not, and roughly half of them aren't. But this morning, all eyes on the NFL as the season begins, with vaccines now playing a role in game plans. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's such a complicated issue, I guess, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, Steph. But with, with regards to these unvaccinated players in the leagues, is it possible to make the vaccinations mandatory? Sure it is. It gets tricky with the NFL and mm -hmm. the NBA because yeah. you've got these players... Uh, unions uh, that are part of this negotiation. They kind of have to be on board or there are going to be some tricky legal issues. But just a couple of days ago, a top official in the NFL said he supported a mandate. Mm. Can they get the union on board? Do they have to? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on sure. these players now to get vaccinated you think too Cam, already. you think Cam Newton will get picked up by another team? I, yeah, we're going to have to, gonna have so to wait, wait and see. And see. Yeah. 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 Just wondered. Just wondered. Yeah. All right, Steph, thank you. All right, uh, 743 now. Time now for another check of the weather. Dylan's in for Al this morning. 
Hey, Dean. Good morning again, guys. You know, we've got all that rain on the East Coast, but out West, we've got just extremely dry conditions. Here's a look at the Caldor Fire. 200,000 acres, only 18% contained right now. And the forecast through the day today still calls for those erratic winds gusting up to 30 miles per hour. We'll see relatively uh, very low humidity, down around 10%. And it is just the worst conditions for these fires. Actually, it, it just causes them to spread more and more. We also have the extreme heat down South in the areas hard hit by by Ida, we are looking at the power outages, the lack of air conditioning, and those feels like temperatures up around 105 to nearly 110 degrees through the day today. So we do have heat advisories and heat warnings in effect for that part of the country as it is just going to be brutally hot. And that's your latest forecast. Thank you, Dylan. Mm -hmm. All right, up next, the shelter's filling up fast nationwide with animals rescued from the path of Ida. You see them right there. Oh. Carrie Sanders is at one of them with a look at how you can help right after this. Hello, parents, homeschoolers, and teachers. Trusty narrator here from the Who Sparted podcast. Our 15-minute episodes are perfect for car rides, bedtime, break time, class time, or any time. We make learning science and history fun and funny for 7 to 11-year-olds with new episodes every week. Look for Who Smarted on any podcast platform or at whosmarted.com. And teachers get a free subscription to our ad-free version by clicking educators at whosmarted.com. And welcome back in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. Not just people who need help. Yeah, a lot of pets, they're suffering too. And now shelters nationwide, they are scrambling to help evacuate those animals in need from Louisiana and Mississippi. NBC's Carrie Sanders has that part of the story. Carrie, good morning. Well, good morning, guys. These are some of the refugees that got out of the path of Ida before the hurricane even hit. And they got out because they were in shelters. This morning, we're here at the Humane Society of Broward County. You can see some of the other puppies here waiting to be adopted. They're spread out across the country. Eight here have already been adopted. Others that arrived, they hope will soon be adopted to find a forever home. These are the dogs of Hurricane Ida. There are cats and other critters too. Animals that were in Louisiana and Mississippi, now scattered from coast to coast. Most are in shelters and animal rescue centers. The race to get them out by plane, or for others, in that same slow-moving traffic. But unlike residents, many of these animals will not return to the catastrophic damage. A flight chartered by Greater Good Charities bringing more than 150 dogs and cats to El Cajon near San Diego just hours before the outer bands of Hurricane Ida made landfall. Some of the furry evacuees arriving in D.C. to stay with fosters as they wait to be adopted. It's definitely hard for them, but, you know, at the end of the day, we think it's better that they're here and alive and they're safe. So who do we have here? So this is adorable Pacific. At just four months, Pacific the puppy is among 48 dogs and cats that arrived at the Humane Society of Broward. What would normally be a 12-hour drive from Louisiana to South Florida took more than 18. They seem well-rested at this point. They've had some good meals. We've actually had some adopted already. In Texas, Austin's Humane Society took in more than 60 animals at Ida's path. More than half have been given a new forever home. Just such a cornerstone of our mission is to help people and animals in times of crisis. And to see that happy ending just makes it even better. 
All right, Carrie, so what's the status of all the other animals that didn't get out in yeah. time and still are there in Louisiana and Mississippi? Uh, Tommy, the actual airlift continues this morning just at sunrise there. We can take a look at this video that just got in. We have 55 cats and dogs that are being loaded up in Lafayette right now. They'll be flying to Virginia. As for this guy right here, this is Sarge, and Sarge uh, is not yet adopted, and he showed up actually with some buckshot. Somebody had shot him, oh, right? no. but they've got him in good care, and they're glad they got him out because, you know, without electricity, without water, that infection might have been deadly. But now, here he is, and yeah. look how calm he is, so guys. Carrie, you look, think you, you found a friend. Carrie, you look yeah. perfect with that puppy. We're not trying to make any, you know. <laughs> I, think, I think you've got room for Sarge at your yeah. house, Carrie. You Carrie. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Coming up on Pop Start, Carson is sharing our first look at new voice coach Ariana Grande. And let's just say she's coming to play. Coming up next, your 8 o'clock hour.